0: Luke chapter 2 this morning. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, the significance of the message that was announced to the shepherds and uh, what that means for us. And we've been talking the last few weeks about hospitality and Uh, the hospitality of God and what that means for us and how we interact with each other and uh, how we interact with the world and what we see in this moment of uh, God announcing the Savior to the the shepherds, we see the hospitality of God in that message. We see, first of all, the love of God that will look on sinners and choose to make some sort of way for us to be redeemed and be brought into His presence again. So we see the love of God displayed in that that in his heart in 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 his love was conceived this plan uh, leading him to uh generosity and mercy and compassion towards us that he would have that love in his heart that he would devise this plan and then in abundance that that mercy and grace uh that that would bring us that plan and God's generosity and that then. Uh, manifests itself in the hospitality of God. And again, the word hospitality means to love strangers. So love of God came up with the plan. The mercy of God uh, made that plan generous towards his people and it manifests itself in God's hospitality in Christ, inviting us as strangers then uh, to be adopted into God's family and to be his children. So that's what we're going to look at today is uh the, the love of God that was displayed in just simply this announcement, the significance of this announcement uh, to the shepherds. We're going to be in uh, chapter 2, starting in uh, in verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared to the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing. So the first thing that we see in this that the the generosity of God, his uh, generous mercy and compassion towards his people manifests itself in hospitality. Again, inviting strangers to be adopted into his family. And this announcement is the picture of that. The first thing that we see in this uh, is the the angels coming in the glory of God and announcing uh, that they were bringing good news of great joy that would be for all people. So. What is the good news that they were bringing? The good news was that God's God's love was coming to cast out fear. That was the beginning of the good news. We see that in the lives of the shepherds here. It says that um, in verse, uh, uh, let me see, an angel of the Lord, in verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were terrified. The first thing that we see is that the glory of God revealing itself in that moment through the angels, the word glory in that moment meant the, the uh, manifest presence of God or his presence among the angels, but that manifesting itself in a bright light. And we see that different times through the scriptures. Uh, there are multiple different places that we see God manifesting himself in a great light. Uh, but in this moment, the first thing that we have to see is that any encounter... Of man with the presence of God, any encounter of man with that glory of God or the weight of who God is, when that is revealed to us, there is fear. Now, a lot of people talk about how that fear is is reverence and respect and all those things, and it is, but it also is also, I believe, an actual literal fear, something that we are afraid of uh, now if if we were sitting here right now. And the fullness of God ripped the roof off of this building and showed himself to us. Do you think that you'd be a little bit fearful? Like actual fear. We're not talking about just, just respect and reverence, although it is that. But there is no way to be a human and to see the glory of God and have it revealed that there wouldn't be some sort of fear, actual fear. And that's what we see in this, in the shepherds in this moment. The angels come and they, uh, reveal themselves, uh, to them, and they were terrified of what they were seeing. It is the same thing that we've talked about before. We see it all through Scripture that the the presence of God, the glory of God revealed to man, reveals our nature. When we see who He is, then we see who we actually are. It's easy for us to go through our days. It's easy for us to compare ourselves to other people and think that we're really not that bad. It's really it's easy for us to think. That, uh, you know, we might have a few things to change, but there's not really that much wrong with us. But when we truly encounter the presence, the glory of God, he reveals the true nature of our hearts, the depths of our hearts that I, that we don't even know. As we've talked about before, Jeremiah, I think it's chapter 17, says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Then it goes on to talk about how God is the one who understands it. So what he is saying there is even even us, us as beings, we don't fully understand the depths of our own heart. Not, there's not one person without God who doesn't understand the depths of their own heart. But God understands it. And it reveals it. And that is the first step in salvation. That is the first step in somebody truly coming to the place where they understand God, where they want to know Him, where they want to walk with Him. It has to. We have to come to the place where we get to the end of ourselves and understand that I have nothing to offer. As we've talked about before, when the Bible says that uh, blessed are those who are uh, poor in spirit, That is the people who finally come to the place to understand that I don't have any riches spiritually. I have nothing. I have nothing other than the unsearchable riches of Christ that I step into as I am adopted into Him. But in myself, I have nothing to offer. I might have things to offer people of this world. I may be able to offer, you know, maybe I have a good business that I provide. Maybe I have some talents that I can provide them to do useful things in the realm of humanity. But when we talk about spiritual things, I have nothing to offer in myself. Not one of us does. You see, it is only when we step into the realms of God, when we see Him and walk with Him, we are adopted as His children. He fills our hearts with who He is And then I have something spiritually to offer to other people. But this, again, is the first step that they would see the glory of God manifest. It would reveal their hearts, and they were terrified in that moment. That is the right response when we see the glory of God. There's nothing that God can do for the person who sees the truth of God who sees, who acknowledges who he is, but still feels like I have something in my, I have some sort of strength or power in my own self. There is nothing that God is going to do in that person until they finally come to the end of themselves and in fear lay themselves before God, saying, I have nothing but what you give me. So I lay myself before you. That is what we see here in in the shepherds in this moment. It says that the glory of God was revealed to them, and uh uh, they were terrified. We see that in in uh, uh other places we talked about before in Isaiah chapter six, how Isaiah was in the throne room uh, uh in a vision, he was taken to the throne room of God and says in the in the the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. This is Isaiah speaking high and exalted seated on his throne. The train of his robe filled the temple above him were seraphim, each with six wings with two wings, they covered their face with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And this is Isaiah's response in that moment of seeing the glory of God. In verse 5, he says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew with me, Uh, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your yield is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. So the glory of God revealed brings terror to the heart of men, brings fear to us because we recognize that what I deserve is death. And I am in the presence of the one who can sentence me to that. The one who he is holding us in his hand. And at any moment he can choose to remove that. Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon on that. It's very famous called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. That God is the one that is holding people in his hand. At any moment he could choose to take away his hand and allow us to plunge into the pits of hell. And we would get everything that we deserve. And you see we have terror, fear in that moment because I recognize what I deserve. Whether I can speak that in my mind, whether I know how to articulate that or not, the glory of God reveals that to me. I understand that he then is the judge. He is the righteous one. He is holy. He is the one who sustains me, and he could remove his hand at any moment. But what we see here uh, in Isaiah is the angel then, or the seraphim in that moment, then made a way for him to be purified. You see, we see that over and over in the Word of God, that that God reveals the heart of man, but He doesn't leave man as He is. He always provides an opportunity for us to be brought into His presence. We see that with the shepherds here. The, The angels came, the glory of God was manifest through their presence in that moment. They were terrified, but what was their response? They said, do not fear. I bring you good news. Angels said, do not fear. You have fear, rightly so for the presence of God revealing who we are. But I have good news to bring you peace, to bring restored fellowship to God. We see that in Isaiah 6, that the seraphim brought uh, the coals to to purify Isaiah, that he could then be in the presence of God and have peace in that moment. We see this prophesied uh, of of Christ coming in the Old Testament. We see in Isaiah 9, verse 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then we talked last week about in Luke chapter 1, uh, Zechariah, when he sings his song when when uh, after John the Baptist is born to them, uh, he sings this song in the end of it. He goes back to Isaiah 9. He says this in verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God, the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. So There is fear that comes from recognizing and seeing the glory of God and being in that place where God reveals our hearts by His glory. Just being in His presence, there is fear in that. But God always provides a way, as it says, He shines light on those living in that darkness to guide their feet back to the path of peace. You see, that was the announcement in that moment. God, the Bible says the perfect love casts out fear. The love of God made perfect in our heart casts out any fear. It's, it goes on to talk about how fear is because of judgment. We have fear because of judgment, because we are condemned. And the perfect love of God that is, is at work in my heart casts out that fear. You see, because I was walking in darkness, but the God, the God of heaven has announced in this moment that he would bring his Savior, he would bring his Son, he would give us Christ to be our light, to guide us from the place of fear back to the path of peace. And that path of peace is walking in a loving relationship with God. So that is the announcement, that is the beginning of this announcement, is that the good news is the love of God casts out fear. We have nothing to fear in him. Uh, So then we go on and uh, the angels continue to to reveal this message and we find out the good news is also the good news is not reserved for the wise among us in verse 10 chapter 2 verse 10 it says but the angel said to them do not be afraid i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people you see the un- unsearchable riches of god and christ are not reserved for those of great status it's not reserved for those who uh would be considered intellectually uh uh elite among us. It's not for philosophers. It's not for those who are uh, just immersed in studying religious things. But the, the good news of Christ is that he casts out fear. And the good news that he casts out fear, that good news is for all mankind. doesn't matter where you're at. doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't, none of that matters. It doesn't matter how smart people think you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. None of that matters. The good news of God is for all mankind, uh, and it is made available to all mankind in all places. I think I've said this before, but uh, there was a moment where we were in the Dominican Republic, and uh, uh, you know, I was I was staying in a room that time with my older brother, and, and we were talking about uh, uh, one of the churches. Uh, it's actually the church we're, we're building for one of the pastors down there. We were at their old location, and uh, you know, we were talking about after the service um you know how it's so drastically different than than what we see here um there's not places there are not many places you go down there where you see you know uh huge sound systems and lighting and all of these kind of things they don't they don't have that kind of stuff uh but my brother was talking and he said, you know, there's not there's not one thing. If we took them from their place down there and set them in this church right now, there's not one thing that we have to offer them spiritually that's not already made available to them where they are. There's nothing. Just because we have all this stuff, there's nothing that we can give them that they don't already have. You know, we can play music through big sound systems. We can have pianos. We can have... Cushion seats, classrooms, all that stuff that they don't have, but that doesn't give them anything spiritually that they don't already have. Sometimes I would argue that some of those people have things, better access or easier access to things spiritually than we do because too many times we're consumed by all the things we have. But what we're saying here is that God is no respecter of persons regardless of status in this world, at the foot of the cross of Christ, there it is totally level. There is not one person that's ahead of any other in regard to the mercy of God that's made available to them. It's made available for one person the same way it's made available to the next person. Uh, so the good news is that the love of God is not reserved just for those who are wise among us or elite among us. Uh we see that by the announcement simply being made to shepherds. Uh, now there's some debate uh, about the status of shepherds in that time. Everything I've read said that most people lean towards uh, shepherds being kind of the, the, the low end, the despised among uh, the people at that time. There's, there's some extra biblical sources that would uh, lead you to believe in the culture at that time that the, the shepherds were kind of outcasts. A lot of people even thought that they were, uh, thieves. There was, there's some, some writing from historians at the time that said that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't buy anything from shepherds because they thought that they had stolen it from other people. Uh, there's, so there's a lot of evidence that would lead you to believe that. Uh, I, I can't say for sure if that's the case or not. There's a debate about that. But what we can say for sure is that it was a difficult job. It was an ordinary job. It was a job where people would uh, take these sheep and they would lead them out through the the mountains and the fields for sometimes months at, t- at a time, trying to find uh, you know provision for them, nourishment for them, all the things that was necessary for them to continue on. Uh, it wasn't a job that most people aspired to. It wasn't a job that a lot of kids grew up thinking, man, I'd love to be a shepherd and be gone for months at a time and and to not have a place to get a shower or do all of those kind of things. Uh, So at the very least, if they weren't despised, at the very least it wasn't necessarily a job that a lot of people wanted to do. So what we are seeing here is that the first, other than Zechariah and uh, his wife and, and Mary and Joseph, other than the announcement that was made to them, the first announcement Came to shepherds. The first announcement outside of the people directly involved in the children at that time came to people working a job that most people didn't want to do. Now, what that tells us is that God doesn't work in ways that most people think they would, that He would. You see, at that time, the the Israelites, the the Jewish nation was looking for a political king that would come to sit, sit in their throne and make them a political power and everyone would be under them and have to do everything that they said and they would have power over everyone. That is what they were looking for. You see, this message that we see here is totally contrary to what they were looking for in that moment. That's how God works. The, foolish of the foolishness of this message, in the eyes of man, the foolishness of this message that brings such a great hope to mankind. Because it's not—he didn't come as a king. He didn't come as—he came as a king, but he didn't come in a, in, in some palace, in some uh, you know place of comfort. He didn't have uh, people attending to his every need in that moment of of, of uh, being born into this world. He didn't have all those things. You see, God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. 1 Corinthians 1, starting verse 26, 26, says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. You see, that is how God operates. He's not going to do something because most people hold a popular opinion about what He should do. He's going to do what is necessary for His gospel to be proclaimed by humble means. He does that so that nobody can uh, be proud, so that nobody can boast, so nobody can be the person who says, who looks back and says, look what I did. Look how great all of this was, all the things that we did. God works through humble things to shame the wise. And in that, then we see that the good news is that the love of God is not reserved for those who are wise or elite among us. Um, We also see then The good news is that God gives us spiritual vision. We don't have to look at anything any longer with our own human vision. In verse 12, the angel said, said to the shepherd, uh, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then in uh, verse 15, we see the shepherd's response to this. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Uh, So in this moment, we see the spiritual vision of the shepherds, that first they come to the place of having this fear before the revealed uh, glory of God and accepting the message of peace, but then... Again, thinking of in that moment what they were looking for, what the Israelites thought their Messiah would be. They thought he would be a political king and everyone would be under his feet. That's what they were looking for when someone talked about the Messiah. Now in that moment, then the angels come to them and they say in verse 12, this is the sign to you of the Messiah. This is the one, the Christ, who you are looking for. This is the sign. You will find him wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now you can imagine how contradictory that would sound to them as they for hundreds of years have been looking for this political king. And now the angels come and say, you'll find him laying in a manger. You can imagine how difficult it might be for them thinking, this this isn't what we were looking for. And how easily in that moment maybe they could have tried to explain away what they had just encountered. Our king's not going to come in a manger. This can't be what we uh, thought it was. It says in verse 15, When the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. So they go and they saw him, and then they see him in these these humble means. They see their king laying in this manger. Now there's debate. Uh, First of all, let me just, I can't clear it up, I guess. Let me tell you uh, a little more about the scene at that moment. Uh, we have all these nativity sets that we have in our houses and all those things. We don't know for sure if that's what it looked like. There is no one that knows if that is how it looked. Uh, There is a lot of debate about what the the original words actually meant. Some of the original words for uh, when they said no room in the inn or stable, some of those words meant multiple different things. So we don't know for sure. Uh, So, there there are uh some people who think that he he was born in a stable that's that's there's nothing wrong with thinking that some people think that he was born in a cave now let me explain what that means when we talk about a cave we're not talking about what we think of a cave as out on some mountain some deep cavernous uh hole in a mountain that's totally separate from things that's not what we're talking about when we talk about a cave at that time there were houses that were built uh, directly into some sort of shelters that might have been in the mountains. And that would be what they're talking about. They're not talking about what we think of as like a mine shaft or something. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a house that would have had some sort of stone shelter that they would have put their animals in. What I'm saying is we don't know for sure. There's no way to know those things for sure. And it doesn't matter. God has revealed to us what is necessary for us to understand the humble nature of our Savior's coming. That's what the point is, though. In all of that debate, it doesn't matter. The point is the humble nature of our king. He could have come, again, as a political king, and everybody would be under his feet. But he came in humble circumstances, whether it was an inn, whether it was a stable, whether it was one of those stone kind of structures by a house that he was laying in a manger. It doesn't matter. The point is that he came in humility. He left his place. Read Philippians 2. It talks about how... Christ did not count his position, his equality with God as something to be grasped, but he humbled himself, leaving his place as a king, humbling himself as a servant, even to death on the cross. That is the point of Christ's coming. That is what we are talking about. Uh, but the, the good news is that God gives spiritual vision. So the shepherds then would have seen this. The angels saying, here is your king, you're going to find him in a manger. And they go and they see him, whether it was, again, a stable, an inn, or one of those places, the shelters for animals, it doesn't matter. They found him in these humble circumstances. And it says then, after they had seen him, they went away rejoicing and praising God. You see, because they could have went there and said, "This, what is this message? What is this? This isn't going to do anything for anyone. You see, but they saw the glory of God revealed in humility. They saw the glory of God that was revealed in humility, they saw it not with their human eyes, they saw it with spiritual vision because we see it we understand that the, my natural tendencies or desires will get me nowhere in life. same thing for every one of us. You can choose to do your own thing in life, you might store up some money, you might store up uh have houses and cars, you might have uh, work your way up in some sort of position in a company and do very well for yourself. But spiritually, you can be totally, you can have all those things and be totally bankrupt. And what we're talking about, the things of God, are the ways of God are not the ways of man. We have to get to the place where I am not looking at things through my own human vision, but I am discerning things spiritually. Now that means in, in the simplest of circumstances that I want to know who God is. I want to know how he operates. I want to know what he says about how he interacts with me and the world around me and how I should interact with him and the world around me. And then again, that becomes the lens by which we interpret the world around us. You see, we cannot be in this place where we just start making decisions and doing whatever we feel is best or doing whatever we think that our strength can accomplish because sometimes we might accomplish something and it seems to do well and it means nothing in spiritual, in, in, in the, the realms of spirituality or in the realms of God or in light of eternity. For us to actually walk in a way that we are experiencing abundant life, For us to do anything of eternal value, it is vital that I am pursuing the knowledge of who God actually is. That I would see what his word says about who he is, and I would conform my life then to that pattern. Rather than trying to get the word of God to fit the pattern of my life. They had been given spiritual vision. They didn't look any longer from their human vision and what they assumed that the Savior should look like. You see, a lot of times we come to the place, even as Christians, where we have this idea of what everything needs to look like. In my life, I have an idea of what everything needs to look like, and when it doesn't, I get pretty upset. We get pretty upset when things don't go according to our plans. We get upset when things, uh, uh, when we experience some sort of suffering or pain. Then we wonder what's going on with God. We have to stop looking at things through our human vision. Even in the church, there are times we have this picture of what success means. We have this picture of what we've always done these things, so this is what we're always going to do. There are things that we set aside and we just do them because we think this is what it's going to look like. There are going to be times where God is going to lead you and I or the church into places where it doesn't make sense at all. You see, we have to have the spiritual vision and faith to walk with God in those ways so that He can accomplish His purposes, not mine. We can do things to accomplish our purposes. You see, that doesn't have eternal value. It is what the shepherds saw here. They saw this this baby laying in a manger, and they went away praising God because they saw that that was greater than this concept that all of the Jewish nation had of what their Messiah would look like. They saw that it was greater than that. So the love of God gives us spiritual wisdom. Then, then the last thing I want to look at here quickly Is just the significance of this announcement. In verse 13, chapter 2, 13, it says, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom His favor rests. You see, the very angels that brought the announcement, the messengers of God's divine compassion for mankind, they are the ones that the Word of God said longed to see and understand the fullness of. Of God's plan in humanity, uh, in First Peter chapter one, starting verse ten, it says concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest of care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. In verse twelve, it says uh, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. You see, this message, the angels come bringing this message to the shepherds, this message of the humble God who would come in hospitality inviting uh, sinners, strangers, enemies to be adopted into his family. The, the angels that brought that message were the same angels that saw all these years, hundreds of years of prophets saying, this is what's coming. And they would see the temple worship. And, and again, we've talked about before, the furniture, every single thing, piece of furniture in the temple had spiritual meaning, something to come. It was shadowing something that would come when Christ came. It was showing Christ's character, everything in the temple was showing who Christ was. They were looking on for thousands of years, seeing all of these things and wondering what was happening. For To some degree, I don't know to what degree God disclosed His plan to them, I don't know, but there were some things that were withheld from them. And they were seeing this played out over the years. They were seeing these announcements, and then God uses them to to bring this message of peace, the good news of great joy for all mankind, that the God of heaven was bringing light to guide their feet back to the path of peace. You see, the angels brought that. For years and years, they were longing to understand what God was doing, where all of this was going. They would see humanity and think that there was it was totally helpless. There was nothing that could be done. And in this moment, God uses them, the things that they were longing to understand, to bring that announcement to the shepherds. This is what we've been looking for. This is what we've been trying to understand. That God would take His laws and write them on man's heart, giving them light, guiding them to the path of peace. That He would restore fellowship and communion with people. You see, what we have within our midst, the worship team can come up. This is the last thing I'll say. What we have within our midst is the greatest message that humanity could ever uh, understand or be told. There is nothing. There is nothing else. There is nothing greater than this. You see, we have to understand God's love is meant to cast out fear, to restore communion with him. It is not reserved for those who are wise. It doesn't matter what people think of how smart I am or how much I have. Nothing like that matters. Because Christ gave away everything he had to come here for us. And in that, then, God will give us spiritual vision to see beyond ourselves I don't have to live based on human limitations anymore because I have the God giving me and giving me his peace, giving me wisdom, giving me discernment, guiding me. I have him guiding me daily to live beyond myself and accomplish things of eternal impact for him. That's what I was created for. You understand that christ Christ came, he said that he came to bring. Uh, abundant life for us. You understand that that abundant life is found not in viewing things out of my own human strength or wisdom anymore. It's setting aside all of that understanding that I was created for peace and communion and fellowship with God. And when I am living that way, then His love is poured into my heart. I begin to work out of that in other people There is nothing that is more fulfilling than that. You won't find anything else in this life that is more fulfilling than that. Because that is what you were created for. The problem is too many people were deceived into thinking that my life is about happiness. Or my life is about having some fun along the way, accomplishing a list of things that I'd like to see happen in life. It's about my job. It's about having... Uh, uh, some sort of social status. It's about having houses and all of these things that we have to have as Americans. I'm not saying it's wrong to have things. I'm not saying it's wrong to have houses or cars. None of that. It, it, It doesn't matter in God's eyes. The question is, does that possess your heart or does God possess your heart? Because for you to find the ultimate fulfillment, you will only find that when God possesses your heart. If you want to have houses and cars and land and all those things, that is fine. But you need to ask yourself, do those things possess your heart? As we close today, we are, what, eight days into December at this point. This month is going to fly by. There is nothing greater that you could do this month than to do something different than we do every year. That we would be able to say no to other things that I would honestly consider my position before God. Whether I understand the point of this time of the year or not. Whether I understand these announcements the angels brought to the shepherds. Do I actually understand this stuff? And if you don't, Pursue an understanding of it. Ask people questions. Study the Word of God. And if you do understand that, don't let all of the things of a holiday, which is what the commercialized thing has become, I'm not saying not to participate in those things, but don't allow that stuff to... Turn your eyes away from the joy that should be in our hearts, from the announcement that the shepherds brought to the, to the from the announcement that the angels brought to the shepherds of the light that would guide us back to the paths of peace with God. God, we thank you today for the opportunity again to worship you, and for your word that brings us light, your word that brings us joy, your word that brings us wisdom. We thank you for your humility that you have not uh, despised the humble things of this world, but you used them to accomplish your purposes. We don't have to be wise by human standards. We don't have to have wealth or status. We don't have to have any of those things. But in you we are adopted as a king's child. We are raised up to be a holy priesthood. We are raised up to be your dwelling. And, Father, that you can use the most humble people on this earth to accomplish the things of the greatest eternal impact. Father, help us not to miss the significance of the announcement of the Savior. Father, we love you today. Is your name we pray. Amen. Again, if you want to come pray.